Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase, kids. In the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless. If at all possible, find the obvious, buried in the absurd, hold on to your friggin' lug nuts. Time for an overall. Let's do it. Well, 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 here we are one more time. Gorgeous Saturday morning. It is zero dark 30. I just went to bed six hours ago. Let's just get this right out front. You may hear that my voice is a little more rough and gruff than its usual fluid tones. Uh, That's because I was out late. I was out late having a hell of a time with a bunch of people that I went to college with. And the theme of this show, if there was one, is a reunion. And the whole concept of coming back together with people that you once spent a lot of time with and then a whole bunch of time goes by in between and you pick up right where you left off like it was the day before. It's a fascinating concept and and, uh, phenomenon to me, for lack of a better term. So, and that's, you know, this year I've been to three reunions and I don't know if that's just a byproduct of getting older. We think we need to do this stuff more often. I'm not really sure. Last summer I went to my 50th grammar school reunion. And that was, uh, you know, interesting to say the least. Uh, I see everybody as we were in eighth grade. And of course, we're not. Uh, There was a little tour of the school and you get to walk around and everything seems a lot smaller than it did back then. And it's to me like a a vault of memories, right? And walking through the school that I spent seven years in when I was a kid, we moved there uh, when I was in first grade. Uh, it's it just, it's like it holds the memories because you have these emotional connections to things, sometimes inanimate objects, like the coat hook, right? I had the first coat hook in the cloak room, not a coat room. It's when they had cloaks. We're going back a ways. So I had the first hook in the cloak room. And of course, a million kids have had that first hook since. And some of it's now just storage. Uh, the library's gone, which I find interesting. It's because books aren't used as much as digital. So there's no library per se. But even so, walking through that school was just, uh, it just revived something in me that I don't feel on a daily basis. That was the first one. Uh, you know, we were there for that and went out to dinner afterwards and saw old friends and laughed and laughed and laughed. And how is it possible that 50 years, half a century has gone by and we all come together and pick up like it was the playground? It's just an incredible concept. What a great gift that is. And then about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess now, I was with the men and women I served with in the United States Coast Guard, specifically at Air Station Chicago. And that was a project that was uh, quite a while in the making. So myself and a guy named Roger, who uh, is nicknamed the Sheik, uh, we kind of put our heads together and, and thought this was time to do this. There's some, you know, little hints and and things around the edges of these guys that we've, you know, stay in touch with some on Facebook and things like that, but how to have all been physically in the same room since freaking Reagan was president. That's going back a bit. And so when that took place, it was a really similar thing. I talked about it two weeks ago, and I had uh, some of those guys on a week ago talking about, uh, or two weeks ago talking about what that was like. And so I won't go uh, deep dive into that, but it was the same concept. How is it possible you get a bunch of people together who have not seen each other for 50 years, practically, or 40 years at this case, and... And it's like it was duty night again. What is that 
set point in us? What is that lever that gets pulled when you reconnect with people that you spent unique amounts of time with, sometimes in, in you know, life or death situations when it comes to search and rescue? So there was that piece. And then last night, I've seen some of these guys over the years here and there uh, that I played college football with. Some of them I went to high school with and played high school football with, and a lot of other guys you know, I met at college. But that becomes a whole different thing because it's one thing to go back to being a grammar school kid because, you know, you're still doing the romper room thing. And then when I did the whole Coast Guard thing, that was, you know, in the military. So all that goes along with that. This is Animal House last night to a great degree. We played football Division three because of the school size. It had nothing to do with the quality of football. It had to do with the school size. That's how the divisions are set up. And uh, a lot of us were really good football players ragtag bunch, that's for sure. In my particular case, I had, I don't know, a dozen or more letters of interest from major colleges. Like I thought I was going to be a Kansas Jayhawk. I thought, that's where I'm headed. I'm going to Kansas and be be a Jayhawk and play football. And then on the last, very last play of the regular season of my senior year in 1976, they had this new stuff called AstroTurf that does not go well with the human knee. And no one even hit me. And I was making a pivot and that was the end of it. It was like, you know, when you go to the Kentucky Fried Chicken and you grab that chicken wing and it, that's kind of how it went. So I immediately became damaged goods. Who's going to want this guy? I had all the promise in the world. I was growing. You know, all the grades were there. And then it was the end of that. But there was a coach at Northeastern who was the counselor, a part-time counselor at our high school. And Northeastern, as like I said, is a, you know, it's a university, four-year university, and they had a football team. And they played Division three football. And he came up after the season was over for us and after playoffs were done, he said, listen, I'll, I'll get back with you in the spring. Maybe I can do something. So sure enough, five, six months later, right before graduation, he comes up and says, hey, if you, you know, he told me about getting on the rehab machine. So I did that. I got rehab, 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 rehab. And this is back when knee surgery was not what it is now. They slit you right open and yank it out and say, okay, you're done. I don't know how many times I had to get my knee drained. Uh, I can remember taking the L train down in Chicago, downtown with my dad, and uh, going to the doctor, the knee guy, and he'd sit there and he would stick this, you know, five-inch needle into my knee and just drain fluid right out of it into a cup. It was just fantastic. And he, so I rehabbed everything, and uh, sure enough, he says, you, you know, you've earned a full scholarship here to go play football, and, you know, everything's taken care of. And I thought, what? So while it wasn't Kansas... And we weren't in Kansas anymore, Toto. It was definitely my opportunity to keep doing what I really love to do. And that was like one of the most prominent things last night in all of us that were there, all the guys, how much football was a part of our lives back then. It was like the main driving force. I think inside, we all felt at some point, maybe it would lead us to other things, bigger things. I don't know. Or just playing it for the love of the game. Of all the guys that I played college football with, only one of us, which shows you how difficult it is to even get anywhere near the NFL, uh, only one of us even had a tryout. I think Big Tommy White had a tryout with either the Steelers or the Browns. I, I forget which. But that's it. Out of the hundreds of guys I played football with over the years, that was it. But I'll get to an NFL guy here in a second. So to be with these guys last night was back then. So now this is the mid-70s and in going into the 80s. And I played college ball three years. And it was, what an education, you know, to go on a road trip and the first guy you see walks on the bus and he's got a turban on, Bemis, he's got a turban on and he opens up this, this case and it's, it's all booze. And we're not even out of the parking lot yet at the, at the university. 
And it went on from there. But I learned so much about being a player uh, because these guys were all top-notch. They came from powerhouse football programs. They were all very good athletes. And, you know, so I came out of my high school with my partner, Tim, who we were co-captains together. We both went to Northeastern and a couple other guys. But then you start to see, you know, we were top dog there, but here comes top dogs from these other schools. And you take all those dogs and you put them in a dog pound and they're decent. And it's amazing what can happen. So our first year, we won the NAIA uh, Illini Badger Conference Championship. This was full-blown football. You know, we were going to the stadiums with eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people in it, and it was very cool. And one of those universities, actually it was college, was Little Milton College in Wisconsin. And it doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. Um, so we went up against Milton College, and they had a guy who was a fifth or sixth or seventh string quarterback playing named Dave Craig. And Dave Craig was about 5'9", you know, 170 pounds, not an imposing figure behind the line for sure. He's very fast, very quick, had a great arm, but he was like their fifth or sixth. I'm like, where's the other guys at? They were all hurt. So we played against him, and, you know, in our versions of football, we all hammered the guy like, you know, $2 hamburger. Um, and we did. We, we won, I think, both games. We I think we beat them for a ch- one of the championship games or a playoff game or something. And um, we all got our shots in on poor Dave Craig. And come to find out years later, imagine my surprise when Dave Craig, I'm watching television in like 1980, 81. Now, by this time, I'm in the service and I'm watching a Seattle Seahawks game and there's Dave Craig playing quarterback in the National Football League. I thought, what What about me? What about all the guys? And of course, it was just his way to go in. It was his, I don't, the guy had the tools, obviously. He played 19 seasons in the National Football League. So one or two of the guys that were there last night, Lenny and uh, maybe, I can't remember who the other guy was that said it, you know, they've connected with him over the years at times. And, you know, he remembers those days at Little Milton College like we remember our days at Northeast Illinois University. And so one of the things I've learned over the years when it comes to sports, uh, first of all, you know, I was told when I got into radio years and years and years ago by a guy who's the program director, now the general manager of the, I think ESPN here in Chicago, he said, you got to do one of two things. You got to either get into sports because that's where the money's at or get into politics because that's where the money's at. What you do is very high and noble and high-minded and wonderful and great and terrific. There's no money in it. You're going to be scraping the barrel to do things like that because people care mostly about sports and politics. And that's where the cash is at. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. So on one hand, he was right. I, I wouldn't change what I've done or what I talk about. I've talked about sports with uh, people who've been in sports for sure, but to sit there and you know hammer back and forth on statistics and law, I could give a shit. So I couldn't pull that off. And the same thing with politics. It's just you know the least effective way to describe a human is how you vote, in my opinion. So I couldn't do that all day either. So for better or for worse, this is what I've done, and I've always found a niche somewhere, and people have always supported it. And by the way, if you're a paying subscriber for 20 bucks a month, It's appreciated that you do that. It means that you have value for what I give you here and uh, every Saturday. So I appreciate that to the subscribers. But Jerry Kramer, uh, my friend who's played with the Packers in Super Bowl one and two, and we've been friends forever. You know, we we had this talk about 
a book that he wrote called Distant Replay about how after all those great Packer teams had won and they all went their separate ways in their personal lives, they came back like 20 years later for a reunion. And probably about two months ago, I was at a, a book sale and I found a copy of Distant Replay, which I've not read for a very long time, written by Jerry and the late, great Dick Schapp, the uh, sports writer, for $3. See, that's the thing about being an author, right? You could These books come out, they're 20, 30 bucks or whatever. In the end, you're at a god darn book sale for three bucks. So I bought it. It's a big hardcover book. And I'm reading through this. And while the names and the level that these guys played is different than what I did, it's the same thing. Coming back together to celebrate the time that you had together. Win or lose. You know, we didn't win. That was the only championship team in college I played on. In semi-pro, I played on one or two. But... It's to come back and celebrate that time, not so much the results. So while we were all beating our chest and howling at the moon last night and early this morning about our prowess on the field and stuff, what it really came down to is mostly what we talked about was off the field and the great times we had on road trips and how you couldn't do any of that stuff anymore without getting kicked out of school. I think some of us did. Not me, somebody else. So the, the, that was all set up by uh, last night prior to going to the event. I dropped off a few books uh, to a friend of mine who I went to grammar school with. She bought the books, Randy Hunley's Iron Man books, as Christmas presents. So I had Randy sign them, and it was great. And I'm down the way, and I know we're okay. We're going to drop off and you know connect. Colleen and I sat across from each other from sixth grade to eighth grade, probably fifth grade to eighth grade, and then went to high school together. And we've been friends for so long. So even just sitting and talking with her or standing in this particular case in the parking lot, dropping off a few books for 20 minutes, rejuvenated me because we have that common background of a different time in our lives. When things seemed to be simpler, of course they weren't because it's all about perspective. When I was in eighth grade, you know, kind of didn't, I mean, I knew what was going on in the world, but I wasn't part of what's going on in the world like it is today. It was not inundated all the time, everywhere, and everything we do. And oh my gosh, it just saturates our lives, especially the negativity. We were having a conversation uh, on a podcast that I produced called Candid Candace with my dear friend Candace Jordan. And because Halloween's coming up, she had a guest on who was talking about, you know, all the haunted stuff that goes on in Chicago. She used to run these Chicago tours. She uh, works in uh, her history and uh, theology. It's a very smart woman. Uh, Ursa Belinsky. And this concept of energy came up and about how important that is to offset the negativity in the world because it just it's a, it doesn't stop. It's just a grinder. And I was bringing up case in point that, you know, here in Chicago, there's a myriad of incredible things going on. One of the great things about Candace's podcast, which is also on Podbean, by the way, you can go over there and listen to it, Candid Candace on Podbean. And what you, if you look through the, the, the narrow keyhole of the news, you would think this is nothing but a shit show every day. That's not the case. So if you look at the whole of things, the 100% of things, you know, uh, 10% is bad. 90%, which never makes the news, is good. So a lot of things that Candace talks about are the events going on in the city, the amount of money that's raised for different charities, the great things people are doing in Chicago. You don't get to hear that anywhere because that's not what sells. What sells is, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. So another murder, another carjacking, another you know, homicide, whatever it is, the names just fade. They just go. So when you hear good stuff, you go, wait, what was that? They raised a million dollars in one night? 
I didn't hear that anywhere else. And that's what was a, in the very same city. That's what's going on. So the concept of energy and this reconnecting with people to me brings out the best in me. These at these times, I was with my friends in grammar school, then in high school. And then these guys and the women that I served with at the Coast Guard, I'm so proud of that, and the time we shared together. And then last night with these knuckleheads from, from Northeastern Illinois, we go back to that time. This time no longer exists. We go back to that. And to me, that is priceless. It's priceless. And especially when you tally up the rosters and say, so-and-so is already gone. They've passed away. They weren't here to be with us. To me, it takes on even more moment. So there's a great urgency in my life, I think, at this point, full well knowing that I have more yesterdays than tomorrows unless I live to be 127. I'm in the middle point then. Uh, that this stuff becomes really important, far more important, quite frankly, than who's beaten up who. I could give a shit, right, about whether or not they elect another speaker. It, it's out of my control. So to, to be inundated with stuff that I can't do a damn thing about just pisses me off. I don't want to be pissed off. I don't have time. I don't have the energy for it. And I think it becomes like a, a drug of sorts, a narcotic that it pulls you in because this stuff is everywhere. You know, I constantly get something on my phone that says, do you want to hear updates from CNN? No, I, what? I don't want updates from CNN, MSNBC, Fox, any other media. I don't need constant updates about what's going wrong in the world. Once a day is enough. I don't need it. It's like what you eat. You know, I mean, that's stuff you feed on too. So it affects you in a different way. You may not be gaining weight, but it's certainly heavy on the soul and on the spirit. And so going to these reunions lifts that for me. And I can't tell you how important that is. So for those of you who are wondering if you should go to a reunion when you get invited, go to the freaking reunion. We've all lost the hair we're going to lose. We've gained the weight. Some of us have lost the weight, not me, but other guys. You know, it, it, by, at this point, you know, all the cards are on the table. Who gives a shit? So I think today it's about perspective for me. You know, I, I, I literally, I just came in around midnight and it's 6 o'clock in the morning. By the time you hear it, it's going to be about 8 o'clock. But I woke up so invigorated this morning and I felt like I played a game. Of course, I didn't because it would hurt a lot more in the morning. But my point is, is that the same energy that needed to be created to strap it on and go knock Dave Craig on his ass... That was there last night. We all contributed to that. A month ago, all the Coasties were together. It was like having duty night. Every four days, we were together on the duty. And so to see people that you, you know, you ate dinner with and you went on duty runs with and you got helicopters cleaned with and you pushed them out and sat on the radio and talked to the pilots and all that, that takes a certain amount of energy. And so that time, that particular day we were all together, it wasn't the 21st century anymore. It was back in the 20th century. We were all on duty again. And the energy that got created around that, it's still there. And then you go even further back to grammar school, you know? I mean, the 60s were shit. But we didn't know it because we were in the playground having a good time on Watermelon Day. So to me, it's about perspective as well. You've got to find things in life that pull out the best pieces of you. And you got to jettison those things that weigh you down. Unless you got time to put up with bullshit... I don't. So, you know, when somebody tries to draw me into a conversation about, uh, you got to be kidding me. A week ago, I was in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to visit my grandkids, my two little granddaughters, identical twin girls, Vesper Lynn and Gwendolyn Ray. They are just a bundle of chub. Fantastic. They were born in July. They're just three months old. They know nothing 
of the world that we think sometimes a shithole. Right? So they have no concept of anything except those faces in front of them and making them laugh and having something to eat, shit in your pants, and taking a nap. What a great life. That'll change later. But before I saw them, an hour or so earlier, I had to say goodbye to a friend. She's important to me. And she had ALS. And it, and it wiped her out in months. And so I went from so excited to drive up north that we went up but I had to make this first stop to say goodbye to Robin. And Robin uh, is a force of nature. I, I met her, if you've read my first book, the last chapter is called Love Lights the Way. It's about the loss of two young people, Chelsea Joe Hewitt and Timothy Watchko. They were killed on an auto accident in uh, February of 2022. And uh, Chelsea's mom was Robin. And her dad's Doug and brothers Ben and Sam. And Chelsea died at the scene, and Timmy died a day or two later. And you know, it's just a devastating bomb to be dropped on these people's lives. And we've been friends ever since then. We did a, a show about the kids. It was just, everything was connected. And we became very good friends. And over the years, uh, in my second book, I'm pushing the books today. So what? Go buy them. The second book is Every Moment Matters. There's a chapter in there called The Naked Men's Club. And that comes up as a direct result of the, the death of those two kids that Tim's dad, Dennis, built a sauna to go sit and sweat out his sorrow. And then Doug and myself and a guy named Dwayne and every now and again a fellow named Dave, we'd go in every Wednesday and we would sit with Dennis in his sorrow as fathers. And probably three years after the accident, uh, Doug decided to build a sauna. So we all helped him build. And they're opposite saunas. Dennis is just sucks the juice right out of you. And somehow Doug's just puts it right back in. It's an incredible phenomenon. And so every Wednesday for 10 years, we did this. So I would see Robin every Wednesday. And she always had this food laid out for us and all the rest. And always love and laughter from her. So to have to say goodbye to this incredible human being, once again, just drilled it into me that the mere flick of a DNA trigger and you could be done. And to fill our lives with such crap, things that really don't matter when we start to constantly major in minor things. Look, it's horrific what's going on in Israel. It's horrific what's going on in the Ukraine. It's horrific. It's fill in the blank horrific in our world. And in between all that stuff is amazing human things that are happening. So just because you don't focus on that stuff doesn't mean you don't care, but you have your priorities in order so it doesn't sap the life out of you as well. It's always been this way. And I find it fascinating. People are like, oh my God, it was so much better back in the day. Well, it depends on what day it was. I mean, I don't mind. Tomorrow, perfect example. Tomorrow, I'll be with Randy Hunley again. We're doing a major book signing, the second one, uh, for Iron Man, which is doing very well. So thank you for buying the book and I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, that rolls us back to 1966, 67, 68, and 69. Really the meat years, 70, that Randy was playing with the Cubs. And that's what a lot of the conversation will be about tomorrow. A lot of the book talks about that. Fantastic times. One of the guys said last night, you know, he had read the book and he really, really enjoyed it. And it reminded him about getting $8 from his mom. $8. A five and three singles here in Chicago to cash. And getting on a bus and going down to Wrigley Field. And then spending all day there for $8. A hot dog, Coca-Cola, bobblehead doll, pennant whatever. 
66, 67, 68, 69, and 70, Vietnam was exploding. The civil rights marches were exploding. Assassinations were exploding. You know? So, yeah, it was a great time if all you did was focus on the Cubs. And if you focused over here, it was a shit show. So one doesn't, to me, dismiss the other. It's all part and parcel of what we create every single day as a species. What are we going to blow up today? What are we going to give up today? Who are we going to hold up today? It's all a choice. So over the last month or so, these two reunions that I've been at have lifted me again. You know, I, I, uh, I, my office studio is filled with reminders of a lifetime full of moments and memories. As I mentioned, my second book is Every Moment Matters. I think that should be our marching orders for today. You know, you, we have these incredible moments. What are you going to do with them? You're still here. There's a dozen guys we talked about last night that are not here anymore. I go back to the Coast Guard thing. There's people we've lost. In my office right here, I have a, a plaque that the Sheik made. It says, in memory of the Seagas Chicago veterans who no longer stand the watch. And there's a list of, I don't know, 15 names, uh, half of which I know, that are gone. They were not able to attend the reunion, so we do it for them. So think of your life today as a reunion, maybe of your old self, maybe someone you haven't talked to for a while, whatever. And making decisions that put you in that place to reconnect to the better parts of your life can push you through the shit ones, no matter what they are. We all have them, right? So it's all about perspective and holding on to that and making it work in a way that works for you and not against you, that problems go through you, don't stick to you. And it all comes down to choices and chances, in my opinion. I want to wrap this up with a little bit of music because uh, the voice has had about enough kids. No matter how much coffee I drink and water and throat lozenges, and I've been turning the mic on and off so you don't hear me hacking and chopping away at my vocal cords, I've had about enough for today. Uh, but about two weeks ago, I happened to get a, a message. Like I, I get notifications from Facebook from people that I you know, send messages to. And this message pops up from singer-songwriter Heidi Newfield. And I've played her music on here before. Uh, fantastic artist in country music. HeidiNewfield.com is where you can find all her stuff. And this pops up because it was her birthday. And she was thanking people for her birthday. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because I don't remember sending a birthday greeting. But I did anyway and sent it back. And then I realized that what she was doing was basically reaching out to everybody on her platform. It's got to be thousands of people. And sending this message of thanks. I've never once seen... Someone, even though they're a friend, quote, and a celebrity, you know, send these messages like that. And then we went back and forth, and I was so impressed with the fact that she was doing this, that thanking people personally for the, for the birthday wishes. Doesn't have to do that. She's out on the road singing, making albums, winning awards, hitting the high notes. So I was so impressed with that. We went back and forth, and I kind of just said, you know, uh, it's just impressive. You, it was a Saturday night. You could be doing other things. And she's, you know, it's just really about connecting with the people that have allowed me to build the life that I have. Bam! There it is. One more time. A reunion of sorts, uh, if nothing else. So, one of my favorite songs from Heidi called uh, Three Things. And the only part I can really relate to in here is about how much whiskey burns. Because last night, we burned a few. I'm here to tell you. Until next time. Be well. Safe travels. Keep the faith. But I've done my fair share of living 
Had my ups and my downs, my long way around, more than a time or two. But all the loves I've stolen, gambled, or given, there's just three things, oh, just three things that I know to be true. And now I'm telling. Back on that sunny summer day 